Good morning. Happy, happy Sunday, church. It's my joy to be here today. I bring you greetings from my church uh, in Spooner, Wisconsin, uh, where there are my, my family there wishes they were here with me today. Um, and it's always a joy to know there are people all over the world doing the same thing on this day, which is worshiping our Lord and Savior. The church, Brad and Shana, were m- most recently at uh, Crossroads in, in uh, Webster. The pastor there, Trig, it is breaking his heart. He is not here today. And so they send their greetings as well. This is in ways a strange Sunday. We already heard that uh, because we're considering the pastor versus hearing from the pastor today. It's a little bit like, I think you've had this before, but you've seen something, it's a tool. It's something in your garage, somebody's garage. It's not your garage, but maybe a woodworker's shop, something like that, or a kitchen appliance sort of thing, and you look at it for a little bit and you think, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that does. You probably had that before. And you start imagining things. You sometimes see it when you're driving somewhere and you see a big thing like, and you think, I think that's a grain bin of sorts, but I have no clue what they do with that. Well, today we're considering, if we want to say it, a tool. So you can look over and look at Brad and say, what are you? And you say, well, I know what he is. He speaks on Sunday. And that says, no, that's something he does. But what are you at your core? What have you been wired to be? So this morning, I would like to talk about shepherds and about those who are shepherded. So there's two parts of this. And actually, there's a charge that is happening today, um, which is a charge to Brad specifically. Of Brad, this is what you are called to do. And we are calling you to do what you're called to do. So there's part of this, it's a word directed to one person here today. And you have shepherds here, you have elders, was able to be with at least most of the elders last night. I am rejoicing at the elders God has graciously given you as a church. Um, I, I was deeply encouraged. There's also, though, a charge coming to you today as a church. So in the same way that some of this is directed to one person, some of this is directed to everyone who's not that one person today, which is, what do you do with having been given this gift by the Lord today? So I would like to very quickly work through some ideas and a couple texts from the Old Testament, but we're going to be in the New Testament uh, for the bulk of this. So... A common, as we work our way through the Old Testament, some of you have read the book of Judges before, and the book of Judges is a strange book. And you wonder, what is this doing in the Bible? It's just, it's going this direction the entire way. And just the moment it seems like things are going well, it goes south. Uh, and it gets further and further south as you read through the book. But there's a theme that's repeated at the end of the book of Judges, and it's this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And if there's something you're supposed to capture from the book of Judges, it's this. You're supposed to read it and say, if I don't have a king, I will be like this. 
I will wander off my own way. I need a king. And please understand, I'm not saying he's your king. I didn't say that. But God's people, the book of Judges is supposed to do something in us that says, I need a king because left to myself, I, this is what I will look like. I will be like Sodom and Gomorrah, some version of that. That's what I would be like because I don't want to do what's right in my own eyes. I want to do what's right in God's eyes. But for that to happen, I need a king. And one of the curses that was proclaimed upon Israel as they persistently disobeyed is, every man to his own tent, you will be like sheep without a shepherd. The worst thing that could happen is to be people without someone to guide you, someone trustworthy to say, this is the way, walk in this way. Every man in his own tent is disaster. And so the promises we read, uh, Micah 5, we already referenced that earlier uh, in the Christmas season. So if you could turn there in your Bibles, it just it, it brought me joy to see so many of you have your Bibles with you. Um, it speaks well for where this church is. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Someone's coming and he's going to be a ruler. And if we'd say, I don't want a ruler, the book of Judges already said, no, you do want a ruler, but you want God's kind of ruler, not a man kind of ruler. You want God's ruler, whose coming forth is from of old. And it says here, Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. It's talking about the birth of Christ, the coming forth of God's ruler. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. There's going to be an influx of people coming back to God. It would be a second exodus, like the first exodus coming out of Egypt, a gathering of people coming together under one ruler. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And that is so sweet to have a leader who will take his stand. And there's all sorts of ideas built into that, but a leader who takes his stand is somebody you'd say, there's even in the hints of the words there, taking a stand is hard. And you know that personally in your own life. But a leader who will take his stand and shepherd is something that all of God's people say, I want that. I need that in my life. Notice what it says about the people. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. Something that goes with having a shepherd is the people being able to dwell securely and for commerce to happen. People to be who they were created to be as God wired them to be. So having elders in the church, having a pastor now who's one of the elders being here, he is an under-shepherd, shepherding under Christ. And a purpose is not so that he might tell everybody what to do. That would not be Brad's way at all, knowing him. It would be so that the people would be able to dwell secure or like Ephesians chapter 4 would say, the reason God raises up gifts is so that the people might be doing the work of ministry. 
the people. And so the joy I have today, the joy you have today, is looking at a shepherd that the Lord has raised up and say, this will lead to peace and security for us as a people because he's shepherding under the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. So moving this idea though, that Christ has come and he is our king and we can rejoice in that and that his kingdom is expanding over the world and how he shepherds his people, one of the ways is by having under shepherds. And like I said last night, meeting your elders, it brought me great joy to say this is a healthy group of men and a healthy group of elders leads to a healthy church. It really does. So moving to the New Testament, this idea... It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Submit is not a popular word. Obey is not a popular word. For a believer, they should be words that you'd say, no, in the right context, it's a great word because I don't want to be left to myself. I don't want to be in my own tent by myself. I don't want to be like a sheep without a shepherd. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as men who will give account. So you, again, you have elders, but speaking of one elder here, the reason Brad is here ultimately is to keep watch over your souls. The most precious possession you have, you can lose everything. You can lose your house in a fire. You can lose your car. You can lose your job. You'd say, I do not want to lose my soul. Lord, if you would provide someone to watch over my soul, that's something I desperately need. And today we are rejoicing and God has provided someone to watch over the souls of the church here. It is a gift. The words obey and submit have an idea to them, though, that there are times when watching over my soul will require something on my behalf, which is it's going to be painful. Because watching over my soul is going to require me to move or make changes that I may not want to make. So obeying and submitting, when it's very easy to say that. I love this verse, watch my soul. But the part of it that involves the rest of us as God's people is, I will listen, and as God gives me grace, I will obey. Because you're caring for something. So what it says here, as men who, as those who will have to give an account. So this is a sober moment because Brad will stand at the judgment and give an account for what he is setting out to do with you as a people. That's a very sober thing. That's why Paul can charge Timothy and say, I charge you in front of Christ and the elect angels to keep these commands. And you'd say, Paul is saying, I am calling heaven to watch this right now. Do it well, Timothy. I'm charging you. So Brad knows this full well, but it's a reminder today, Brad, you will give an account for how you lead here. You have to do it well. You cannot shepherd in your own strength. 
And you as a church, you have to receive Brad's leadership. You have to. Because it says here, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. As I resist the shepherds God puts in my life, as I fight against them, if they are truly shepherds from God, they will keep doing their job. That's the mark of a shepherd. But it's no advantage, and I'm hurting myself ultimately because they've been charged with watching over my soul. So it's saying, let them do this with joy. What does it look like to let Brad shepherd me with joy? It's a, it's a really good question. And you'll be working that out individually, each of you, but that is a charge to you. How can this be a joy to them? Because he's going to do it either way. That's what he signed up for. Let it be with joy. Each one of you then plays a part in that. Each person here plays a part in that joy component of the pastor serving. I've had people say to me before, an idea that it, may, it must not be a great thing to be a pastor. And I think, I love being a pastor. But there's days when you'd say, Lord, I would choose anything but this on this day. And anybody who served in the church would have days like that. Anyone who served as an elder would say, I have days when I wish I was anywhere but here. But it's my job. When it said in Micah, he will stand and shepherd God's flock the under-shepherds, we are asking for that. Stand and shepherd God's flock. Take your stand. This is your people. And this is your shepherd. So, obey your leaders and submit to them. Peter has a summary statement in 1 Peter 5, and he says, So I speak to the elders among you as a fellow elder, shepherd God's flock, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, gladly. I want to do this. It's my pleasure to do this. And Peter gives the same admonition, submit, submit to your leaders. So, again, going back to my looking at a tool, the tool you have in front of you is a shepherd. We say, what does it look like in day-to-day -day life? I'd like to go to Acts 20, and that's where we're going to spend our time. Acts chapter 20. The setting for this is Paul is speaking to elders in Ephesus. And right now I am speaking to one of your elders in particular, but all of your elders I'm speaking to them as well. And Paul was trying to get back to Jerusalem but uh, on his way, he said, I have to stop in Ephesus. But I don't want to be with the whole church because I love those people. They love me, and they're going to make me stay for a while. And I can't stay. I'm going to be with the elders for a little bit. And so he has a meeting on a beach with them. That's what happens here. But he starts describing his ministry, and he's saying to the elders, you watched me. This is what it looks like. So Brad, the charge today is coming from here because shepherd the God's people is a big overarching thing, but it involves lots of little things that you need to be doing. 
And it's important for the church to say, we want you to be doing the little things, which are not little at all. So I'm in Acts chapter 20. I'm in verse 17. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. There's an idea here, and the idea is you watched my life. I was not separate from you. I was not in my home just preparing things, and then once a week I showed up and delivered the word of the Lord to you, and then I disappeared here. You know what my life was like because I was with you. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So there's a part that happened to Paul. It happened frequently. The letters give evidence of this. So for instance, the letter to the Galatians, it was written in response to trouble that happened in the church. And it happened because of people who were stirring them up to really go back under the old covenant. So Paul had trouble with people who were wanting to pervert the gospel. And he'd summarize it from the Jews here. You won't have that trouble here, that particular one. You will have other troubles. There will be plots of other things that happen here. So one of the charges is you have to, like our Lord did, take your stand, Brad. You have to. And when the plots come, that would wage war against the gospel and the health of the souls of the people, you have to love your Lord more and this people more than you love a temporary peace. Because the, the shrinking back that all of us are tempted to do is this. The easier thing at this moment will be to not say anything, to not do anything. And this church, I know it, is not asking you to be that. They're asking you, be someone who takes a stand. That's true, isn't it? That's what you would like. It has to be what you want because you will not be healthy if you don't have that. So, Brad, in our version, whatever it is that comes here of the plots of the Jews, you have to be a man who takes his stand. And I know you have good brothers around you who are saying, we're taking our stand with you. We are doing this. Paul's going to, two times in this passage, he's going to talk about, I didn't shrink back. It's something because of the fall all of us want to do. Adam in the garden, he shrunk back from the snake. It was his job to deal with the snake and he wouldn't do it. And because of that, disaster came to the planet. He should have dealt with the snake somehow and gone to battle. And you wonder, Adam, were you afraid? Why didn't you when Eve is standing there alone, why didn't you say anything? You were standing right there. You let her battle alone. Brad, we are asking you, charging you to go to battle here and to take your stand. And whatever version the plots of the Jews are, to deal with it. You have to do this thing. And he says here, how I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was profitable. Because of the fall, I would say we all have this tendency, we shrink back. 
I'd want to say that, but I'm not going to say that. If he's watching over my soul, he needs to not shrink back. Again, that is what you want as a pastor, right? Would you say the things we need to hear, not what we want to hear? This is going to mean at moments, personally, you will not like this man. It does mean that. Because he's going to be saying things that are hard and you want him to do that because he's guarding your soul. Not the only one. But Brad, you can't shrink back. And, and because of that, when Paul says, pray for me that I might have boldness, it's something elders need prayer for because our tendency is, I don't want to do that. I, I've had so many things I thought, oh, I wish I didn't hear that. Because... I have to do something now and I don't want to do it. Uh, something I say frequently is, pick, pick your pain. So don't deal with problems and you will have low-grade pain for a very long time which will eventually become huge. Or deal with something at once and you're going to have big issues for a little bit but you're going to deal with it and the people will be protected and healthy. But Brad, you've got to do this. You have to do it. And church, you have to know it's his job and you have to receive this. It will be disaster if you're looking for a person who does shrink back. Temporarily, that's very satisfying though because you never push me. You never get in my life. That's not what they want here. I know that from meeting with the elders. You want health. And so you want someone who won't shrink back, which at times will mean this man will not be popular. And his wife will feel the pain of that as well. And I'm not saying that's what you strike me at as a people. I'm just saying that's the nature of shepherding. We don't pick which plots come in, but plots will always come in. And you have to deal with them. And it says how I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So you need to open your lives up to this man and this family. And it's very evident you already have. House to house means, Brad, you have to get to know these people. All of them. These are your people. So if you look around, these people have lives and you can't just know them here. You have to know them house to house. And fortunately, that's not your job alone. There's shepherds with you. But a mark of health is they know me. They're in my life. They're in my world. You have to welcome them into your world though. And if I have a shepherd for my soul, it means I do need to bear my soul. Therefore, confess your sins with one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The implication is, if I don't confess my sin to one another and I'm not being prayed for, I will live with non-healing. It'll be normal in my life. It's why so many people are broken, but a mark of a church should be, no, I'm whole. And these people know me because they're welcomed into my home and into my person. Not just in public, not just someone you attend. Someone that you say, no, they know me. He says, he's testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God 
and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That in a package, that sounds really nice, but the repentance part means, again, if I'm not shrinking back, there are times when you're calling people to repentance. You can't do that. You've got to repent. It's why when Jesus was commissioning the apostles and he says, whatever sins you charge, they're charged people. And whatever you release, you're released. What you bind in, on earth will be bound in heaven. That idea of the church is facilitating grace in people's life. We didn't buy it. But calling people to repent and saying, you've got to deal with this thing. It's not dealt with. You are asking him to do this. You want him to do this. But there are times when you won't like it because it'll be you. I don't like it. I don't like it when people come to me and say, I think you were out of line here. I really don't like that, but I need that. And you do too. And that's what you're asking for here. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about a very specific gospel and you are wanting him to preach that gospel. As the one who will primarily be preaching, you need to be preaching this gospel. And I know in the charges you're going to hear later on your confession, the good confession, that is what you believe and that is what you're getting. I know it's what you're getting. He says, Now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. This is interesting. So you called him. There was an interview process, heard all about it. And you say, no, we called him. Here it says, Paul says, I received my ministry from the Lord Jesus. We have to believe that's true. Actually, it's going to go on and say that right now. But as someone who's received a ministry from the Lord Jesus, you are ultimately accountable to the Lord Jesus for his church. Brad, you are not an owner here. You are an under-shepherd, somebody else's church. And you have to remember that he gave you this ministry. He goes on and he says, says here, uh, Verse 23, Now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. That demands quite a bit of unpacking. What does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? What I love is you are getting someone who is thoroughly equipped to proclaim the kingdom to you. You are going to find joy and delight drawing from the deep wells within this man. And I would pull as much as you can from him. This really has been a gift that you have here. I, I can't think of a better fit for this church. He says, Therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I'm innocent. What he's saying is on judgment day, I will not have a charge because of how I led while I was here in Ephesus. I'm innocent. Why? Because I didn't shrink back even one time. 
by God's grace, Brad, might this be your testimony as well, that you would be innocent of the blood of this people because you didn't shrink back. And you will have those urges within you because we all do. Would you pray for this man that he won't shrink back, that he would be strong and that he would do what he has to do. He would work with the elders and they wouldn't shrink back, that they could declare we're innocent, not meaning we're perfect, not meaning we're like the Lord Jesus in that way, meaning best we could, we didn't shrink back. And when we did, we confessed it and we dealt with our own inadequacies in that way. Notice what he says next now. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock. Brad, one of the charges today is this. You have to pay attention to yourself. What it means is your life, your doctrine, your personhood. And this includes your family. So Shana and the kids. If your ministry is totally the flock, your life and your family will fall apart. So I think the ordering here is right. Pay careful attention to yourself. That includes a whole package, but you have to do this. So the building blocks you have to put in place for that. Being accountable to people, spending time in God's word, being a man of prayer, loving your wife and your children really well. You need to do this in church. You need to help him do this. He's a human just like you're a human who has needs within himself and his family. Pay careful attention to yourself, Brad. As you find yourself inching over into things, say, wow, I've become too consumed with this thing. Deal with it very quickly. But then it says, pay careful attention to all the flock. That's all the rest. Look for the flock. Be careful for the flock. The goal of the elders isn't to have the best programs in the church. It's healthy sheep. That's the goal. It doesn't have the best music or the best building or whatever you'd pick. It's health among God's people as ministry and life happens together. Pay careful attention to the flock. Make sure that's happening. It says here, to care for, oh, pick to the flock in which, notice this phrase, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So, again, you called, Brad, as pastor, you called this family to move. However, who made Brad an overseer in this church? It says here the Holy Spirit did. He is a gift from the Holy Spirit to you. And you can trust then, because the Holy Spirit did this and he received his ministry from the Lord Jesus, he will have help to do this job from heaven. And he will see things that at times you're not seeing. And that's where you can trust the impulses of your pastor and say, I can listen to you because I know the Holy Spirit called you to this. I want to. My desire is to follow your lead because I know the Holy Spirit is doing this here. A gift. Again, what is a shepherd? It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
I don't think, I am trusting, that is not the case today. I had great joy hearing about the health in this church. You need to know this though, every church has this happen all the time. A little bit like the people of Israel when Joshua was leading them into the land. He says, I'm not going to drive out all the people so later generations, or all the wild animals, later generations can learn what it means to go to battle. Every generation in the church will have to fight the fierce wolves. And he's saying, pay careful attention. Fierce wolves will be here and it's your job as shepherd to do this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our Lord did that. Under shepherds also do that. He's going to say something about the fierce wolves. He says, verse 30, from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. This is really strange because he's saying, even in this group, people are going to rise speaking twisted things. Because we always imagine it's going to be this thing, this monster from outside that we would recognize when it came in. He's saying, no, it's going to be more subtle than that. It's going to come from within. Lots of times. So what's the answer? He's going to say it now. Therefore, be alert. Be alert. Brad, we are calling you to be alert. Be watching. These are your people. You've been called to be an overseer, overwatching. And it's a glorious task. It's a terrible task in that it's terribly hard, but we believe the Holy Spirit made you an overseer. We have to believe that because that's why we're having this day, right? We believe the Holy Spirit called you to this and we believe he will equip you to be faithful. So, he says... This, be alert. It says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Paul is saying, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be here anymore. And I'm sure for them that was a tragedy. The tragedy is this, Paul, couldn't you just stay because you were dealing with this stuff so well. It's almost like we had a major leaguer and now we've got the minor leagues watching the church, we're going to fail. Couldn't you just stay, Paul? Paul can leave because it's not his church, because they have his words, but the Holy Spirit and the Lord, the Trinity, are deeply invested in this. The Trinity is deeply interested in this man and in his family. And that should give you great comfort. You are not like sheep without a shepherd. This is not every man and woman to their own tents. This is God's people living and functioning. One of the jobs of elders in the church, or elders in a city, in ancient walled cities, was they sat at the gates and they just watched what came in and came out so that healthy life happened within the city. And that's what we're looking for, healthy life here So Brad, have you heard these things today? And by God's grace, are you committing to the church? I will, to the best of my efforts, with God's help, do these things.
I don't know if you all heard that. I don't think there could be anything sweeter you could hear from a pastor. Church, did you hear these things today? This is demanding something from you, which is this. For him to do this with joy, you have to open your hearts to him. And that happens every day. And there's times where you won't want to. Just like there are times where he won't want to lead. You will want to quit on him. And he will, left to himself, want to quit on you. You're not the perfect church. Don't leave and go to another one because it's not next door either. All churches have issues. But this is a really good church. And God's grace is here. So church, did you hear these things today? Are you willing to be led by this man and obey and submit to him? It's good and it's right. And I would say, I'm not Paul. And I've only met you once. But I would say this today. Like Paul, I am commending you and I'm commending you to the best thing I could ever commend you to, which is God's grace. Grace to you, church, as you move in a new season, which I am convinced is going to be a season of prolonged health and strength here. This is going to be a place where I would love to send anybody I knew to this place. They will flourish here. I'm commending you to God's grace, and Brad, I'm commending you to God's grace. Flourish in this place. In Christ's name, amen.